Now, we're all aware of what the new year represents for many people. It's seen as a fresh start or a new beginning or a leaving behind of the old things as you look ahead to new things. That's why this is the time of year that we hear about things like New Year's resolutions and the time when gym memberships skyrocket. People are trying to bring about meaningful change in their lives and are trying to make things new and better as opposed to the old, bad way that things were. In effect, all of the hope and hype around the new year is about people trying their best to fix their problems. Unfortunately, people tend to seek out ineffective solutions for their problems. And not only that, but the problems themselves are often superficial and miss the true underlying issue. For example, suppose you've got low self-esteem because you're not as fit as you would like to be. So on the last day of the year, you say, you know what, come tomorrow, I'm gonna go on a diet. Or come tomorrow, I'm gonna start lifting weights. Well, first of all, getting fit requires more than just deciding on a whim just because it's December 31st to make these changes. That's likely why so many people give up on their New Year's resolutions. Because sticking to a diet or a workout routine takes more commitment and effort than what the fleeting hype and excitement brought on by the new year can bring. And secondly, your main issue isn't that you're not as fit as you would like. Your main issue is that you place too much of your worth on how you look rather than on your status as a child of God. So we tend to seek ineffective solutions for our problems and we tend to miss the underlying issue. And this unfortunate human tendency is usually on full display leading up to and immediately after the start of a new year. And the reason for this is that for many people, the beginning of the new year is just another ineffective solution for problems that aren't the underlying issue. Over the past month, I've heard many times where people say things like, 2021 has to be better than 2020. Or many people are looking forward to better things in 2021. Well, ask yourself this, what power does a change of date from 2020 to 2021 have to change the circumstances in your life? Why should 2021 be any better than 2020? What, what mechanism are people hoping in that will affect the change that they want? You see? There we go again. Seeking ineffective solutions to our problems. The year changing from 2020 to 2021 isn't going to make anything better for you automatically. And furthermore, what kinds of changes are you looking forward to? Bigger arms and six-pack abs? Maybe to find a job or to find a better job if you've already got one? Are you hoping to finally be rid of all these COVID restrictions and the lockdowns and the rules and go back to how things work? I want us to recognize that all of these things, though important to varying degrees, aren't at the root of the issues in your life. If we think that they are, we're missing the underlying issue. The main and ultimate issue underlying all the other issues in our lives is the presence of sin and death in the world. And the new year is not going to fix that. 
So I want us to take our focus off the concept of the new year somehow being the solution to all of our problems. It's not the chance for a fresh start that people make it out to be. The effects of the curse will linger on into 2021. Sin and death will still be rampant in 2021. So as it turns out, the new year isn't all that new after all. And why should we expect it to be? The new year isn't the source of newness. New hope, joy, and peace don't come from the new year. Yet, that is how it is often viewed. Ah, but praise be to God. We know where to find the source of newness. We find newness in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So let us instead place our focus on Him. It is Jesus Christ who brings hope for the future, not the new year. It is Jesus Christ who brings real and lasting change to our lives, not the new year. And it is Jesus Christ who brings new life to us and ultimately restores all things and makes them new. And so that will be our big idea this morning. Our hope should be placed on the newness that comes from Christ. So I've identified two main aspects of this newness from Christ. And these should help us to see why placing one's hope in the new year is futile and inferior to placing one's hope in the newness that comes from Christ. The first aspect is that Jesus makes his people new. And the second aspect is that Jesus makes the whole physical creation new. Again, the first, Jesus makes his people new. And the second, Jesus makes the whole physical creation new. So firstly, let's examine this aspect of Jesus making his people new. Now, Revelation 21, verses 1 to 5, tells us that Jesus makes all things new. But to focus in on how he makes his people new, specifically, let's first look at John 3, verses 1 to 8. And this is, of course, the new birth. John 3, verses 1 to 8. We read from there. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear it sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now I said earlier that I'd, I'd explain what I meant by newness from Christ. Well, I've already begun to explain by breaking it down into those two aspects, the first of which is that Christ makes his people new. So the question then becomes, how does he make his people new? Well, what John chapter 3 teaches us is that he gives them new birth. Those who are in Christ are born again. And Nicodemus catches on to the profound nature of what Jesus is saying. 
He recognizes that Jesus isn't saying that a person is somehow able to enter again into his mother's womb, to be born literally and physically again. That's not what Jesus means. When Jesus says that a person must be born again, he means that a person must have new spiritual life that comes from God above, whereby that person is washed and cleaned from guiltiness to sin, and they must be given a new heart which is able to love God. They must be given new inner desires that are for God and for the things that God loves. They must be born of the Spirit. That is, they must be born after the likeness of Jesus, who is righteous, as opposed to being born after the likeness of Adam, who was not righteous. All who are born the first time physically are in Adam and are of the flesh, which has been corrupted by sin. But all who are born the second time spiritually are in Christ Jesus and are of the Spirit, which is pure and holy to God. So people have newness from Christ when they have this new birth and thus new life from God. And the effect of this newness is a change from what was old. Paul says in Ephesians 4, 17-24, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. So you can see already, this newness from Christ is superior to anything the new year can offer. The new year has no power to make you born again. It has no power to give you spiritual life from God and cause you to be able to put off your old self with all of its wickedness and put on the new self, which is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The ultimate problem that we all face, guiltiness before God because of sin and the wages of death that we have earned, these cannot be changed by a change of date. We can't solve them by a change of the calendar. I heard someone say some time ago that they're ready to wave goodbye to 2020. Well, unless you can wave goodbye to sin and death, you have no hope. So if you are an unbeliever hearing you this morning, don't look to the new year for hope. It cannot offer you what Christ Jesus offers you. Repent of your sins. Turn from them and believe the good news that Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose so that all who believe in him could be born again and have eternal life. For the believers listening, I simply say, Don't get caught up in the hype. Remember where your hope truly lies. So let's look at one more scripture that testifies of how Christ makes his people new. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we're looking at verses 14 to 17. There we read, For the love of Christ controls us, 
Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who might live that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now you can immediately see why this text is a go-to for explaining that Jesus makes his people new. This is about as plain a statement of the reality of the new life in Christ that we can get. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The point Paul was making here was that because Jesus died and rose, he was no longer thought of simply in earthly terms. Paul said that Jesus was no longer regarded according to the flesh. That is to say that in light of his death and rising, he was to be no longer thought of simply as the son of Joseph, but the son of God. No longer was he to be thought of simply as a peasant Jew from Nazareth, but the king of kings and lord of lords. You see, Jesus really was these things according to the flesh. He really was the son of Joseph and a peasant Jew from Nazareth. But there were superior realities over and above those realities that were according to the flesh. Jesus was the Messiah and the Lord of heaven and earth. And so in light of his sacrificial death and victorious rising from the dead, we regard him according to the spirit. That is to say, we view Christ primarily according to the superior reality of his heavenly being as opposed to his earthly being. And so Paul tells us, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So you can start to see what this means for us. If you are in Christ Jesus, who are you primarily? Jonathan, are you primarily the child of Winfield and Constance? No, you are primarily the child of God. And Peter, who are you? Are you primarily a Barbadian citizen? No, you are primarily a citizen of heaven. And Shamar, who are you? Are you primarily a bank employee? No, you are primarily a slave of Christ. So you see, this is the sense in which Paul is speaking. The work of Christ has led to you being a new creation in him. Such that there must necessarily be a shifting of preeminence away from that which is earthly about you to what is heavenly about you. And whereas before in your former way of life, your cares were fixed on this world, things like your physical appearance, your socioeconomic status, fulfilling your own personal desires, things like that. Now in your new life, you care more about heavenly things like holiness and righteousness. Being obedient to the Lord who saved you. Loving him with your life. And loving your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Those of whom you share the body of Christ. And now you seek their best interests over your own. As you live humbly and sacrificially. You see, because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, you are now a new creation. Who and what you are has changed. Your desires have changed. Your priorities have changed. What you value has changed. What was old has died. 
passed away. So now that we're beginning to understand the implications of being new creations in Christ, how should this affect our view of the new year? Should we still be placing high levels of hope and anticipation on the prospect of the new year? No, because now we should have a higher view of newness. We just saw how being new creations in Christ takes preeminence off the earthly and places it rightly on the heavenly. So what will reason do we have for placing so much hope in the new year when all it has to offer are earthly temporal prospects? Maybe the economy might get better this year. Maybe you might start and maintain a successful diet or workout routine. And sure, these things are good and would be a new welcome change from the old circumstances of the past year. But friends, there are superior realities to look forward to in light of the newness that comes from Jesus Christ. Because you have been made new in Christ, you are now able to grow spiritually. Think about that. Before the old you was spiritually dead in trespasses and sins. But now the new you is able to mature more and more as you are conformed into the image of Christ. That's an exciting prospect. Instead of the fleeting temporal things that people hope for in the new year, we believers have weightier, more glorious things to look forward to. Not because of a change of calendar, but because of Jesus Christ. The superior nature of the new life in Christ brings much greater hope than hoping in the new year. And before we move on from here, I just want to add that when we consider what it means to have been made new in Christ, we should not need the prospect of the new year to give us hope. We already have hope in Jesus. We shouldn't need the prospect of a new year to excite us with the chance to get rid of the old in favor of the new. Because we already have a superior newness in and through Christ. Our newness in Christ is a present reality. So consider that as the world fixes its eyes and its dreams forward onto 2021 and are eagerly waiting to see what will happen, we believers have confidence because of present realities. Indeed, your new life in Christ is always a present reality. You are a new creation right now. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16 says that we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. So we don't have to wait for the new year to try and find some hope so that we can rejoice. We can rejoice all the time because of the present reality of our newness in Christ. Brothers and sisters, the Christian life isn't like the way some people uh, view the new year, where they say, I'm ready for this year to be over. Let a new one hurry up and come and maybe somehow things will change. Christians are not to go through life depressed and grumbling as they wait for the return of Christ. We are to endure it with rejoicing. But we know that sometimes we can view our Christian walk this way, where we just want it to be over. We just want it to be over with so we can get to heaven. But we must be careful that worldly thinking does not affect how we view our present lives. Yes, there is a new heavens and a new earth coming, which we long for, that is true. But remember, 
the Christian always has reason for rejoicing, even now. Even as we await the new heavens and the new earth, we have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit to comfort us. He comforts us by constantly reminding us that our salvation is sure. He comforts us by constantly reminding us of the firm foundation we have in Christ. So while the unbeliever has no real present hope and can only look forward in a delusional way toward the new year, we believers not only have future hope, which we will talk about soon, but we have a current and active hope because of the ever-active work of God. We have the Word of God all the time as spiritual food to refresh us. We have brothers and sisters in Christ all the time to encourage us and to serve us as we serve them. We have the knowledge that our sins have already been washed away. We don't have to wait and see like some religions do. We don't have to wait and see whether or not God will accept us. We have the confidence and assurance now. So while we can and should look forward to the new heavens and the new earth, we can look around right now at our present newness and present blessings in Christ. So again, you can see how this should affect our view of the new year. Whether the year passes quickly or it seems to drag on forever, it shouldn't matter to the believer because of the presence of those superior realities and blessings in Christ Jesus. It shouldn't matter to the believer because of the newness that comes from Christ. So those are just a few of the scriptures that tell us about how Christ Jesus makes his people new. The rest of scripture is replete with encouraging and glorious statements that reinforce the truth of our newness, our new spiritual life in Christ. However, new spiritual life is not the full story. I said before that there were two aspects of the newness that comes from Christ. The second aspect is that Christ makes the whole physical creation new. So while we have the blessing of rejoicing right now in our new spiritual lives in Christ, we can also look forward to the promised new physical creation. The earth and all of its features, the fields, the hills, the forests, the mountains, the streams, the plants, the animals, all of it will be made new. And yes, of course, so too will our bodies. We who have placed our hope in the newness that comes from Christ are awaiting the resurrection the changing of our old corruptible bodies into new incorruptible and perfect bodies. Paul says to the Corinthians, for this perishable body was put on the imperishable and this mortal body was put on immortality. When the perishable puts on imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O death, where is your victory run? O death, where is your sting? Brothers and sisters, that ultimate enemy, death, and the sin that enables it, will one day be swallowed up in the victorious resurrection of the dead. Death cannot hold Jesus our Lord, and neither will it be able to hold his people. Friends, this is our ultimate and final hope. This is the fullness 
of the newness that comes from Christ. Men and women, body and spirit, made perfect and new. In New Year's, gym membership deal isn't going to do that for you. A recovering economy in 2021 can't offer that to you. Again, believers have a superior hope based on the newness that comes from Christ. A hope that culminates in and finds its fulfillment and fullness in the glorious, exhilarating scene that is described for us in John's vision. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Did you hear that? No. Did you understand that? No more crying. No more pain. No more loss. No more of the burdens that hound us. No more sin to ensnare us. No more devil to tempt us. All those things will be gone. And most astounding of all, God himself will live with us and be our God. He will claim us as his own people and dwell with us. We will have his light and life with us forever. Constantly, eternally, in the presence of the source of all goodness and joy and newness. Friends, mere words can't convey the gravity of that future reality. But the days are coming when we won't need descriptions of this glorious state in written words or speech. We will see it. We will live it. Christian, do you believe this? This is our blessed hope. This should have been what invigorated us last year. And it should be what invigorates us this year. The blessed hope of the fullness of the newness that comes from Christ Jesus. When all things, souls and bodies, and even the earth and heaven are made new. Now, this morning I've spoken a lot about the new year and how we should view it. Hopefully I've made the point crystal clear by now. Our hope should be placed on the newness that comes from Christ, not on the new year itself. But to be clear, the issue isn't with the concept of the new year itself. The issue is the way that it is viewed, the way that it is idolized. Remember that God himself invented the concept of the new year. It is God who set the sun, moon, and stars in the heavens to serve as timekeepers. He said, let them be for signs and for seasons, 
and for days and years. He set the earth and its orbit around the sun such that it keeps its predictable rhythm by which we can mark out the passage of time and years. So it is God who means for us to observe the demarcation of seasons and time. This is a blessing from God as we are able to order our lives. God is a God of order and not chaos, after all. So it is not wrong to recognize the new year. As a matter of fact, we should give give thanks for it. Because as we mark the passage of time, and as the years go by, we can see more easily year after year, God has been merciful to us. Yes, even in light of all that has happened in the past year, God has been merciful. Remember how Pastor John told us on All Year's Night about Lamentations 3, verses 22 and 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And also, it's not wrong to wish someone a happy new year. It's certainly not wrong to bless someone with goodness as we move forward through this life and into a new year. We're actually called by God to bless people. But my point this morning was this. Let those blessings be according to the hope that is found in the newness that comes from Christ. Let your well wishes for yourself and your neighbors be consistent with the blessings and promises connected to the new birth in Christ and the coming new physical creation in Christ. Believers, seek spiritual growth this year. Seek to draw closer to God so that he draws closer to you this year. Love your brethren in the Lord. Serve them and seek unity with them this year. Pray daily. Read your Bible daily this year. And seek first the kingdom of God over and above the things that the rest of the world will be focusing on in 2021. If you have unbelieving family, friends, or associates, pray for their salvation this year. So that they two can have the right view of the new year and place their hope in the newness that comes from Christ. And if you are an unbeliever, repent even today so that your new year can begin with new life. No other decision or action you take this year or any year will be more important or more consequential than that. So friends, let us all flee from the sin of idolizing the new year. It's a false god that has no power in itself to make things new. Trust instead in the newness that comes from Christ Jesus.